Today on CityCast Denver. For the past 12 years, Kelly Bruff has been one of Denver's most powerful movers and shakers. Paul, I'll be honest, I don't have a single regret. And now that she's leaving the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce with her eye on bigger and better things, we're taking a fresh look at her 12-year tenure from this side of the global pandemic. U.S. News and World Report recognized us, I think it was like five years ago now, as the best economy, number one economy in the nation. And I think most chambers would have jumped for joy and said, you know, done. What we did is we started to look at where we saw disparities. Today is Monday, June 21st, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. see what's happening out there today. It looks like there's a slight chance of rain in the morning before a sunny afternoon and a high in the mid-70s. So that's going to be a nice cool start for the official beginning of summer this week. Denver Public Library is changing the name of the Byers Branch on Santa Fe Drive, according to reports late last week. The branch is currently named for William Byers, the wealthy early Denverite who founded the Rocky Mountain News. And the library's move comes after an internal review that they launched last summer amid protests over police violence and systemic racism. No doubt that review focused less on William Byers' dedication to local journalism and more on his support for the 1864 killing of hundreds of Cheyenne and Arapaho tribal members that we know today as the Sand Creek Massacre. Library officials say they're going to start consulting the community on a new name in July. Mayor Michael Hancock's pick to run Denver International Airport is hitting some turbulence. Axios Denver reported that his pick, Phil Washington, is getting mixed up in some pretty serious corruption allegations against L.A. Metro, the agency Washington led until this past May. Thanks to a Denver ballot initiative that passed last November, City Council now has approval over these sorts of appointments, and they're preparing to sit down with Washington to hear his side of the story in the next couple weeks. A few weeks ago, we got an email from the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce touting all the work they do for the local business community. It's the kind of thing journalists receive all the time, but once we started looking into it, it turned out that the chamber is at something of a turning point. Their president and CEO, Kelly Bruff, is stepping down after 12 years. And those 12 years spanned from 2009, just after the global financial meltdown, to today, as we find ourselves once again coming out of an economic crisis. And once I started reading about Kelly and her impact on our politics and our economy over these past 12 years, I couldn't stop. I just finished another meeting, and so I was like, oh, I'll jump on and make sure I have connectivity. (laughs) As far as I can tell, Kelly Bruff is quietly one of the most influential people in Denver. She's got deep connections to politics, having served as chief of staff to then-Mayor John Hickenlooper. And now, with the chamber, when she calls up Mayor Hancock or a state legislator, they know she speaks with the weight of the entire business community behind her. It's no wonder everyone's asking if she's stepping down to run for mayor. Kelly Bruff, welcome to CityCast Denver. Well, thank you for having me. So just to set the table for listeners who might not understand what the Denver Chamber of Commerce does or or is this is this is like the whole business community coming together to enrich everybody and support the whole city right is that the idea yeah the whole region honestly this is sort of the economic challenge for our state is making sure that we are able to thrive here on the front range and not at mm. the detriment of anybody else in the state hmm. and boy have we been thriving yeah. for the past 12 years 
that's the story I want to hear from you is, you know, you started this job 12 years ago, just as we were coming out of this financial crisis. What was Denver's business community like then? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, the the Great Recession, as we all refer to it now, I, I think a lot of people questioned my sanity of saying, oh, I have a great idea. Why don't I go try to work for, you know, these small businesses primarily about 98% of our 3,000 members are small business and see if I can, you know, help support what they need to be successful. And, you know, we had a really challenging economy in Colorado in the mid-80s. Uh, we kind of had very limited uh, diversity in our economy. By that, I mean we were really dependent on one or two industries, ag and oil and gas, and oil and gas bottomed out in the mid-80s. And it was then that leaders here in this region really recognized you have to diversify your economy. And today, I would say, and it helped us in 2009, we have one of the most diverse economies in the nation. And being able to grow out of that recession to only diversify it to a greater degree, frankly, protects us a little bit. It ensures when one industry has a bad year, uh, fewer people are negatively affected. There's other opportunities. Um, and there's no question uh, some of that diversity helped us in a pandemic where, you know, the hospitality industry was really challenged while other industries were able to hold on stronger. And mm. it doesn't help uh, individuals in the industry always, but it certainly helps the overall economic outlook. Let's say I'm biking through Denver. I'm biking through downtown where would I be able to see the physical effects of your work with the chamber, like decisions you've made over the 12 years? Yeah, you know, Paul, the work we do at the chamber is a little less about place making. Today's challenges, you know, are really around making sure people have access to opportunity. You don't get to really probably walk around, uh, or like you, Paul, uh, I like to bike too, bike around and say, ah, that was Kelly Bruff's work. What you can do, though, is when you go to vote as an unaffiliated voter, you could say it was your Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce and your business community who said unaffiliated voters should be able to vote in our primary elections. And we did that for the first time in 2018. And I really credit the leadership of business who said that voice should be heard, even if it doesn't always agree with us. It's things mm. like that. So these last 12 years have been a time of explosive growth for Denver lots of new people, lots of new businesses. I mean, our tech industry really exploded in this time. And a lot of people got richer and that is great for those people, but it's also brought a lot of conflict. And like, this is something that we hear from our listeners a lot is, you know, the traffic problems, gentrification in our neighborhoods, people losing access to safe housing, the homeless population growing and growing. How do you think about the business community's role in that? Yeah. You know, I have a huge bias. My bias is nothing improves a family's life uh, more than if uh, one of their parents has a really good job. And mm. I would say, to your point, Paul, uh, we've had success in doing that and growing our economy and helping more people prosper, being one of the fastest wage growth regions in the country prior to the pandemic. That said, U.S. News and World Report recognized us, I think it was like five years ago now, as the best economy, number one economy in the nation. And I think most chambers would have jumped for joy and said, you know, done. <laughs> what we did is we started to look at where we saw disparities. One in four Coloradans can't afford health insurance. Uh, we looked at educational achievement gaps based on race and said, gosh, we're one of the worst in the nation when you look at 
metro areas. We started to look at that kind of data, and it caused us to say, we're, we're glad we're the best economy in the nation, but it's not good enough for us. Because I think the very issues you point out, the reason there's tension, is if you can't access that opportunity, of course traffic makes it worse. If that opportunity isn't presenting to you and you can't buy a home or create a future for your children, of course you want it to stop. But if you can access the opportunity, I think then you see the benefit and upside. And we as employers have an obligation to make sure our teams see the upside of these opportunities. And we're committed to it. I mean, 12 years is like a long time running an organization like this. I'm betting for every unaffiliated voters in primaries achievement, there's something you look back on and say, ooh, I don't know if we got that one right. Does anything come to mind as something you would have done differently? I think for me, it would just be, you know, these are all steps toward long, long, long-term goals that you just have to keep taking steps toward them. Uh, but I'd be hard-pressed to say we had a huge misstep. Paul, I'll be honest, I don't have a single regret, but not just in this job. I don't have a single regret for even the mistakes I've made in my life because each time I feel like I'm learning and growing and authentically taking responsibility for them and then making changes mm. as fast as I can. We've been talking a lot about this so-called labor shortage on the show. And this moment we're in uh, where the pandemic seems to be coming to an end and people are reevaluating what, what a dollar is worth to them, what their time is worth to them. You've had this job for 12 years. You've seen trends come and go. What do you think we can expect coming out of the pandemic for the local economy? I think, um, I, th I think where people are evaluating is the, those lower paid jobs, right? And it's not necessarily, you know, I think one of the big questions is why have women dropped out of the workplace at a greater rate? Uh, and I would argue some of it has to do with absolutely simply the cost of childcare. And certainly supplementals to unemployment insurance change the math on what makes sense for people. But there's no question, you know, that th this is all about people weighing timing and and their self-interest, which is exactly what every single one of us would do in a moment like this. And I don't think we can begrudge people for doing it, but I do think we can stop and ask ourselves, how do I make this job more valuable? You know, can I have some of it be work from home? Can I provide some flexibility around the hours or the timing that could help a family? I think that's on us as employers, and, it, and we're capable of doing it, Paul. So you think that this is going to be um, a real opportunity for, for jobs to be friendlier? Hey, listen, employers are putting in, you know, taps and ping pong tables and slides, and they're creating environments where their employees want to be. They're absolutely going to compete on the flexibility of a schedule, uh, where you can work, when you need to be in. And I think employers will make those decisions based on what's best for their workplace and how do they attract the talent they need to be successful? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to push back just a little bit because as I was preparing, I was reading a little bit more about your record. And I saw that in 2011, as we were coming out of the, uh, the Great Recession, as you called it, you backed an effort to block a Denver initiative that would have required businesses to provide their workers sick leave. And when I read that, I thought, oh my, is... so that's someone who represents the business community making it you know, harder for people to work, making these jobs less valuable, fit less well into their lives. 
So I don't know. Do you think your your successor in this position is, is going to do that kind of thing? Is there going to be more conflict like that coming between workers and, and managers and owners? So, Paul, I think your assumption there is our opposition had to do with we didn't want to provide paid leave to workers. I tell you, it's just mm. the opposite, that we actually think this is an area almost all of our employers provide paid leave here at the Chamber of Commerce and that mandates are not the right way to go. Um, I'll, I'll give you another example. Uh, we have a similar concern when you only focus on wage, that when we have these discussions about minimum wage, what we lose in that conversation is the wage alone is not determining people's economic success or prosperity. It's also, are we giving them benefits? Do they have paid leave? Do they have uh, retirement benefits? Do they have health insurance? Critically expensive benefits that often to workers are more valuable than a small increase in the minimum wage. And so our argument, Paul, is you shouldn't piecemeal this thing. You really want to create a workplace that people can thrive in. And when we pick out little pieces and separate them out, what we're creating is and telling employers is make choice, drop everything else and do this. And we just don't think that's the right strategy. So the opposition is not about we don't value our workers. The opposition is about there's a better way to get to that end goal of making sure, frankly, workers have good pay and good benefits. All right. I've seen some of my colleagues in the local media ask you about your future. And I guess there are some people talking about a mayoral bid. And I know that you said no. You told Kyle Clark, no, that's not in your future. Who other than you, who would you want to see as our next mayor? Just, Paul, so you're clear, I've been asked about, you know, almost every elected position there is, I think, in the state. <laughs> uh, and I, I really did not quit my job to run for office. Um, and honestly, I haven't given it a lot of thought. You know, it's two years out. Uh, how about when we get a little closer, I'll share with you, you know, a little more of who I think would be great. Like everybody in the state, I would just say, I think it's important. We're showing up, we're voting, we're participating in that process and lending our voice to the critical issues that we think our elected officials should be addressing for us. Uh, I guarantee you I will stay part of that work going forward. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right. Well, Kelly Bruff, thanks so much for joining us on CityCast Denver. Thank you for having me. Hey, listener, I want to ask you a favor. We're making something very weird and ambitious that I think you're going to like, and we need your help. I've got to keep it mysterious, but if you want to be a part of it, Send us a recording of you reacting to something scary or surprising. It can be a simple voice memo on your phone. Just a quick, ah, or whoa, or surprise us with your acting chops. Just make it sound like you and send it to denver at citycast.fm soon. As in this week soon. We can't wait to share this thing with you when it's done. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you want to hear from more people like Kelly Bruff, the best way to support us is by spreading the good word. Tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. And until then, I hope you have a really good day. I, I am excited. That's a real feeling.